1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz for the call. 60 minutes where we take a look at 10 stocks. I chuck in a stock of the day, put it to uh, two experts for their adjudication. I love it. it's one of my favorite parts of the day because I get to pick the the brains of some terrific analysts, including these two. Uh, Very big welcome to Gary Glover from Novus Capital, Gary. Uh, afternoon to you, welcome and Chris Conway from Marcus today. Uh, Chris, g'day to you. Thank you. Uh, good to have you aboard. Uh, we often run out of time in this hour, so I want to get straight into it because stock of the day, I've got so many questions to put to you too. Tadcorp, uh, it's confirmed this morning, the Lotteries and Kino business will be spun out into a standalone company by May 24th when the listing of the brand new lottery company hits the bourse, Shares getting a small boost from the news today. Um, one of our regular guests here on the call, so it's up almost 3%, not too bad today. One of our regular guests on the call, Gaurav Sodi, has been waiting for this to be announced for a while and says the lotteries and keynote business is the real money maker. So is it time to buy Tabcorp? Or should you hold out for the new listing or get shares as in the, the new listing as part of an existing shareholder in Tabcorp? Um, Chris Conway, first to you, what do you think of the announcement? Everyone's known it's been coming. They've talked about it for a while. Now it's here. We've got a date. What do you do, number one, as an ta- existing Tabcorp shareholder? Number two, uh, should you get into it if you're not into it?
0: Uh, if you're an existing shareholder, Koshi, I think you would hold. And if you were looking to get into it, then I would probably buy it now. Uh, so you're not wrong. It was announced uh, in the middle of last year that this demerger was going to take place. So now it's confirmed. Uh, and the basic premise is that the sum of the parts is greater than the current whole. So they'll separate out the two. And the marketing spin, which I actually agree with, is it allows both businesses to have a more focused strategy uh, and in particular pursue m a activity. So you're right about the uh, lotteries division being the bigger revenue generator, uh, but it's really the other side of the business, the wagering the business that could be looking at mergers and acquisitions. So we know that Rupert Murdoch is thinking about getting uh, some form of Fox betting off the ground for lack of a better name for it. Uh, and we know that that uh, sports wagering business around the world is becoming ever more competitive. Uh, and so that is potentially the opportunity in terms of putting that side of the business into play, uh, and seeing if it either can be merged with a bigger entity, an international equity uh, entity, or indeed it can be sold off for a premium. So I like the move. Uh, if you are interested in holding, uh, owning Tabcorp, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't buy it now because you get the benefit of both. And certainly if you're a holding, I would continue to hold it as well because yep. it will probably be uh, an unlocking of value or value release.
1: Yeah. Is it is it a bit similar like when Woolworths split off Endeavour? We had a big jump into woolworth shares as everyone said okay i want to be part of endeavor and the best way to do that is to get into Woolies now
0: yeah that's a very good uh, comparison Koshi spot on uh, again the, the the sum of the parts together is the, the, they're neither of them benefiting from being uh, rammed together so separate the two out get that right. value release and uh, really pursue their own strategies yeah spot
1: on okay gary what about you
2: yeah, pretty similar to to Chris. There, I mean, normally these sort of big um, mergers there it usually unlocks value. So the you've got the the big sort of enterprise there. Once it gets broken into two, there's usually uh, you know kind of a value add in um, in that sort of split. And we've seen some of those, you know, say so you talk about Woolworths and stuff and um, Endeavour, but there's been quite a few over the last sort of decade or two where you have seen that extraction of value. Um, so like I mean, like, yeah, I think I think it looks pretty good. I mean the The price action, actually, if you look at the chart there for obviously post that sort of 2020 low, it's had a really good recovery. And then it's been really trading in a pretty tight band. So really sitting between around sort of 540 to sort of 480. And now, so oftentimes when a a stock sort of maybe rallies hard, then trades sort of in a sideways manner and then sort of pops through the top, that's sort of technically a bit of a, um, a bullish sign as well. So I think this news comes at a good time, extraction of value, obviously um, price pushing through the top here so yeah i think it looks pretty positive that probably the interesting thing for me is actually is uh, what what does this mean for jumbo is uh, jumbo yeah, interactive I was thinking is, that a, is a competitor in the space but um tapco've got a 10 year a 10 year um, a agreement in place with jumbo um, so is this a negative for jumbo in that obviously more competition or Potentially, is Jumbo a target now? Um, is this, is, you know, is this sort of, you know, we would have would have couple of the new TLC. Does TLC would look at, you know, maybe rolling Jumbo in there? So yeah, it's interesting. So it opens up a lot of questions there for the whole sector. Yeah,
1: I've got Jumbo in my little superannuation fund that's done pretty well.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I yeah great business.
1: Last year or two, really good business. It's more than. It, it's sort of a software business rather than a gaming business, isn't it? It just happens to be software into, uh, into gaming. So, do we know if you're a Tab Corp shareholder yet how much of the new company you'll get, what the crossover is for shares?
2: Either of you? I didn't see this. Yeah. I didn't I see think the
0: split it's, uh, I think you get one, one share per unit that you hold. So, I think it's a one for, a one, 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 from for one from what I've read, okay. I believe. Yeah.
1: All right. Um that's interesting because, as Chris was saying, all the reports today is once it's spun out the existing company, then I think even the directors have been uh, uh, highlighting it, it's, it's clearer for uh, merger and acquisition sometime in the future. So that's what you're buying into. Fascinating time. All right. Uh, let's get into the stocks that uh, you've suggested we have a look at. Gary... Um Simon on Twitter wants a view on 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 COSIL, is it on COSIL? The, uh, what are your thoughts? That we are, You were following this company years ago, apparently, uh, according to Simon. Uh, be very interested to hear your thoughts. Medical device company in the treatment of patients with pancreatic and bile duct cancer. Um, Gary, what's your view on it?
2: Yeah, look, I followed this company for about five or six years. Actually, Koshi. Um, probably learnt one of my greatest lessons in trading with this <laughs> stock here. So, about three or four years ago, I I, I had a position there, PA, which was uh, I think at one stage was worth about 250k in profit, and uh, went down to took that position to about to about a 50k loss. Uh, <laughs> I think I think in one day alone might have been three years almost to the date, lost 100k in a single day owning. This sort of company. So, since since.
1: Gee, so since is, Simon, sort of, is, uh, is Simon a mate of yours and trying to rub in that ex- no, <laughs> no. experience to you? So. It, been, it, I've, I've sort of changed my whole philosophy
2: since uh, you know that sort of event three three wow. years ago. So I managed to sort of get myself out of break even,
1: but um, never put myself through that situation again. And okay, uh, and that, before before you go on to the company, what? A, how did you change your philosophy?
2: Uh well I guess I guess I was trying to push too hard for trying to make too much money so you really just have it in, in the share market and the stock market you really need to be disciplined you need to have a trading plan you know you need to have risk management in place so yeah I, I did have that and then I sort of loosened my approach sort of trying to go for the home run and um, right. yeah sometimes look some some sometimes people succeed with the home run sometimes you uh you get uh, dealt a bad hand I was lucky I managed to sort of uh, get out with a break-even position, but uh, I went through a roller coaster of emotions going through that, so yeah. which, which wasn't a lot of fun. If you, good,
1: risk, yeah, if you have a good risk,
2: yeah. If you have the risk management approach in place, then you can live, you know, live every day in the market quite comfortably and sort of stress-free.
1: So, so what, what's your risk yes. management approach? Sorry to um, push on this, but I think we can all learn from it because we've all been there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. So yeah. so how did you, but very few people talk about, how did you change your risk management profile? So you put stop losses in or just yeah, didn't right. never let emotion get ahead of yeah, you.
2: Yeah, so I have just obviously like a set of rules there. So really around position sizing, so not having a massive position and having a an, uh, kind of like an all in approach, um, having like a, a maximum sort of size across the portfolio. Building into a position, winning positions, um, having a risk management approach, sort of, uh, you know, if a point where I'm wrong, you know. So yeah. the thing about the share market is it teaches you lessons here. You've, you really, it's, it's an, I guess, the numbers and probability. So we all have to accept um, that we're wrong at some point. I'm Obviously, Governor Lowe is sort of haven't really hit that point at the moment, but at some point you're wrong and you've got to change tact. Um, yeah. So you have to basically put that line in the sand there pretty early. So yeah. the best traders, best investors, they manage their risk. That's that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that Um, on on onto the company now. (laughs) Have have you have you been so psychologically scarred you don't even want to look at it ever again?
2: Uh, The funny thing is I've sort of have actually I do actually have a holding in my super fund of this one. So it's sort of uh, disclosed that a lot more measured than uh, than it was a few years ago. (laughs) Uh, But it is uh, it's it's really interesting, actually, this one because it's it's only 30 mil market cap here, so so pretty small for um, uh, a, um, a biocap sort of stock. But yeah. this got this this company had a pretty um, had a CEO about three years ago who was um, over promised and under delivered, and since then he's been sort of moved on. And Nigel Lang, who was actually the the CEO of Certex when it got taken out, he's now mm. the, in the in the head job there, and just the sort of new management team in the last few years. So. They've gone from sort of being a company that sort of um, over promised, under delivered to sort of probably be gone pretty quiet and just keep sort of getting things done. Um, mm. So lots of sort of clinical sort of studies have taken place here, but most importantly, they do have the CE mark now. So they do have the European and UK license. They've had sort of breakthrough status in the UK. I think they've had their IDA granted for the bald duct cancer and, and, um, with the FDA in the US. They've uh, just recently just announced a fully funded trial in in Germany. So, um, what they're trying to do, though, obviously, the negative is that they didn't get approval in the TGA, so didn't get approval in Australia. So, if you had, um, you know pancreatic cancer, there you'd sort of you, you know, you'd have to go to New Zealand, Singapore, or the UK to get this right. procedure, and you can't get it can't get it done in Australia. So that that's kind of a bit of a negative. That's sort of why. So I think two things there: not, not having a TGA approval, also. The old CEO probably fell short of expectations, but I've noticed there that Nigel Lang and the and the sort of new team they seem to be sort of ticking quite a few boxes here. Mm. And considering this is like oftentimes you'll see a biotech around 20, 30 mil, which is waiting for approval, either FDA or a CE mark. So yeah. this has got a lot of licensing. Just I think Mark is probably concerned they've got to go to you know, raise some money here. But that recent announcement there around the sort of fully funded uh, German trial and. What Potentially, that leads to there with for Germany is that um, they're looking to bet you know get some sort of funding there with the device. So, what that meant, I mean, typically, you if, if you had um, this sort of form of cancer, there you have to pay your sort of 20 grand for the you know to the for the device, yeah. whereas could actually get funded here in Germany, so you might get half or maybe a, a lot of it back, which make, mm. makes it a lot more accessible. Mm. So. Yeah, I just like the idea that the new management team just seem to be sort of heading the right direction here. It's the the issue they've had is with lockdown too, with COVID, yep. it's meant that all these electricity have been basically put on the backstopper. So they really had to sort of uh, had nothing to do the last two years just because they, you know, because of because um, of COVID here. So now opening up should be sort of quite positive. There, the thing you want to mm-hmm. see here is sort of sales. So they're going to be sort of getting some revenue off these um, this this trial. So they'll they'll be sort of um so I think once you sort of see revenues there, it'll go, yeah, you know, I think I think you'll start to see a tick in the up price in the in the in the stock okay. price there. Think about you just gotta remember Certex was I spent eight years trading between one dollar and two dollars. And then once they started to get some sales, stock went to like thirty, forty dollars. So the, the margins in this business are enormous. So they just just takes a long, long time for biotechs to get to that commercial okay. sort of stage. So we're close here, yeah.
1: Uh so so it's close to the commercial stage now by the sound of yeah. it. Yeah. So what do you reckon? buy. Well, look, I think a, it's is a spec.
2: it a spec? Yeah, it is a spec buy. Look, it's a small mm-hmm. sector It's not you can't put a large amount of capital in there, but I think um the 30 mil considering where they're at um okay. they're long it just take these things take a long time, Koshy. so you've got to be in there for a,
1: uh, a bit longer than <laughs> as, some other investments. As you have been so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh that's a really interesting Chris.
0: Uh, Yeah, Gary made a lot of good points there. Um, I'll just uh, uh, try and be a little bit sharper. Um, The competition is the thing that scares me. So I looked uh, across the board and there is a number of competitors. So not necessarily for um, Oncocil's uh, devices, but for treatment of the conditions and of the cancers uh, that Oncocil is treating as well. So incredibly competitive. And uh, it doesn't seem like they've got to the stage yet of, say, a Nanasonics or indeed a Pro Medicus that has a proprietary technology uh, that they're out there selling in the marketplace. So I, I agree with Gary's premise uh, that you probably need to wait on this one. Uh, I'm not that patient though. So uh, I just have a look at the share price. You know, it was 15 cents in 2020, it's uh, now under 4 cents. It will be driven by announcements and certainly those announcements can be good, but I don't really like buying or investing in businesses at this stage of their development. So yeah, I'd rather no, own a Nanasonics or a Promedicus or. A Pro uh, something else in that medical tech space.
1: OK. All right. Um, Kelly wants a view, uh, Chris, on NearMap. Talk about having a good week if you're a NearMap shareholder. Uh, what was it, up, up 15% or, or something on uh, on Tuesday after uh, the release of their contract value update and they've reached some milestones, uh, $150 million across its portfolio for the first time, uh, contract Value uh, management saying there's good, strong momentum across the business. Of course, this is the big air, aerial imaging company that's been up and down all over the place, but seem to be getting some government contracts. Uh, Chris, what do you think of DMA?
0: Oh, you've stolen most of my thunder there, Koshi. I uh, hit all the points mm. that I was going to hit. So, yeah, great announcement on Tuesday, as you mentioned. Uh, the contract, annual contract value is up to 50 million in the US uh, and up 5.5 mm. million from uh, only December 31. And as you say, total contract values across the portfolio of $150 Uh, signed that largest ever government contract in North America. You are also 100% right that this one has been all over the map. So it was a market darling at one point. Then they ran into some legal problems. Those legal problems are still hanging over their head. That's the legal case from Eagle View. That remains the key risk. Uh, But management also talking recently about hitting the upper end of their guidance range in FY22. And despite those legal problems... Uh, it's not holding back the growth in the U.S., which is really what I think most investors want to see. So if you can park the legal side of it, which it seems the market essentially has, uh, and are focusing more on the growth and the opportunity, it seems like they're kicking the goals that the market wants to see. So uh, if you're willing to swallow the risk, which uh, I probably would be, then this one would be a buy for me.
1: Okay. All right. That's interesting because, Gary, uh, when it's come up in the past and the past couple of months when it's had its fall from grace, as you saw on the chart, everyone's saying, gee, a lot of co-, had the legal issue, but a lot of competition from 3D imaging and even some uh, some other listed competitors here in Australia. What do you think of Mac?
2: Yeah, so I, I threw, uh, there was another little company called Spookfish there years ago, which was sort of a competitor there. Um, and just, I guess, learn a lot about the industry sort of... Um, after learning about that sort of stock there, but that that's always made me kind of uh, aware of the risks in this industry. And then, look, the the bottom line here is that the, look, the revenue's been growing. I mean, Chris is right; the, the revenue growth has been pretty strong, but it's not sort of knock it out of the park sort of uh, strong. Where it was um, um, so it's just been sort of um, you know nice and tidy sort of uh, you know gain each year. It might be sort of you know 15 to sort of 20% um, revenue growth, um, but the net profit line has been underwater the whole time so you know we've been 15 mil 36 mil under 18 under so we're, we're still forecast to be under this year and under water next year as well so it's not going to make a profit for the next few years so that revenue line getting higher and higher obviously we'll, we'll get closer to a break even there but markets probably a little bit more concerned about companies um, I think last year we weren't too concerned about whether companies made a profit. We were more revenue driven. But I think yeah. now we're in a growth crunch here. We're looking at companies that uh, that make profits here. And yeah, Chris is right. That eagle view is still uh, litigation concern. It still overhangs the stocks. So it's a little bit of a risk. Um, look, good news there, obviously, during the week. Nice little pop. But stocks in a pretty decent downtrend here. Uh, I'd need to be sort of seeing a little bit more consolidation, a little bit more, you know, sort of building here before I'd go in there. But okay. But the company's getting closer to break even that's that's the good news. I'm not sure we're sort of at the bottom
1: here. That's all. Okay. All right. Keep it on your right, watch I'd, list. Yeah. Um, Gary, Simon wants a view on Parenti Global. Um, Simon says often heard experts on the call saying mining services is off because there needs to be a growth in capex with the mining companies for them to do well. Give them commodity price growth the massive anticipated global demand growth. Why is the market not forward looking and seeing a high demand for uh, mining services moving forward is the question from Simon. Let's face it, the world needs more than the current mines uh, have to supply. Um, Interested in the view?
2: Yeah, look, I've actually uh, traded some of the mining services companies in the last few months, Here, I think Wally's and Monadelfis have actually had some bounces because I thought they were a little bit undervalued and um, not as grim as everyone was thinking. So that's the plus for um, parenti here is that you, um, yeah, it's potentially the sector is obviously, you know, not, you know, not so negative in, in my view, but got a couple of concerns here for um, for this company here. Look, the balance sheet's pretty stretched there. A lot of, you know, pretty, pretty gearing. I think, the, um, I think it's about 500 mil in debt there. So around about 30 percent. So pretty high. Uh, it's got a fairly risky African business as well. So the West African business. So everyone knows we've got a bit of a mining boom going on commodity boom um but everyone normally people would actually in the last boom everyone was really keen on the picks and shovels sort of this the mining service sector but once that sort of uh commodity boom finished it was really the mining service sort of sector really got got belted so yeah. that's probably in the backdrop of some of the mines here of uh Vestas there, just sort of you know kind of worried about some of these but pruny's had some pretty good growth here i think the uh, I think the earnings are expected to sort of grow around 28% uh, next year, so they do have a pretty decent growth profile there. Doesn't look outrageously priced here. The price action is not bad for me. It's sort of it's really tightening up. It's still sort of trending down here, but if we could we could break above a swing high, I might get interested. But right, just it does have a few risks there, just because uh, just because the balance sheet is a little bit sort of stretched here. So, um, right. yes, yeah, that's probably the reason why people are just sort of know yeah, i guess my, me personally i've gone towards the heavyweights just because i feel safer in there right um but okay. yeah it's interesting here it's definitely on the watch list for me anyway
1: okay um chris
0: i had the good fortune of working with a fund manager who uh you know i used to run these mining services stocks by him and he, he used to always look at me with a puzzled look on his face and say mate why are you interested in buying picks and shovels when you can just buy either the company that's digging the stuff out of the ground and getting direct exposure or you can buy the commodity itself so it was sort of the third derivative actually not a bad point is (laughs) it yeah well it's, it's a really good point it's one that's stuck with me all the way through so i tend to steer clear of mining services uh companies uh just just on the broader relationship a little bit you think about who has the power between the big miners versus the mining services companies you know there's about 40 mining services companies on the ASX and I would humbly submit that not that I'm in the room for these negotiations but I would I would guess that if a big miner doesn't like the price of a contract they simply go to the next person down the list and they take that business somewhere else so hyper competitive and uh yeah like I said that fund manager that taught me that lesson I'd rather just buy the commodities uh the materials place or indeed the commodity itself yeah
1: okay all right, uh, Chris, uh, which is why I love doing the call. We're going from mining services to skincare products now. And uh, Frank, <laughs> Frank wants a view on uh, BWX, the manufacturer, distributor, marketer of uh, skin and hair care products. Names like Sukin, Andalou, Mineral Fusion, Nourished Life, all under this brand.
0: Yeah, so their results, their interim results uh, in late February proved to be uh, ultimately a little bit of a disappointment. So a 22% increase in earnings, but it missed estimates. And that's uh, really the key point here. So it missed, uh, I think, Citigroup by about 7% and Macquarie by about 18%. So, you know, pretty broad range there in terms of what the market was expecting. And it was that softer than expected growth from some of those names that you just mentioned, Koshi Suken, Andalu, and Nourish Life Brands. Uh, It wasn't all bad news. Uh, There was lower operating expenditure and their gross margins uh, improved on some efficiency gains as well. But just more broadly, once again, just zooming out a little bit, it's not a great macro environment for consumer discretion respending. At the end of the day, we've got uh, inflation, we've got interest rates on the rise uh, and purse strings will be uh, being tightened across the board. So uh, you just... Think about the macro environment that um, BWX is trading into, and it's going to get increasingly difficult. Uh, and that is probably uh, that, and the share price, what's what it's done since the start of the year, trading from uh, around five dollars down to less than half that, um, means that I can't be interested in this one. So it would be um, it would be a sell for me.
1: Um, gee, um, Gary, that's an ugly-looking chart, isn't it?
2: Yeah, no, very ugly. Yeah, I mean, it look, it's interesting because that uh, revenue line was sort of up 22% for the year, which sort of sounds sort of um, encouraging, but the the loss was pretty significant there um, compared to the pro you know, period there. And that's obviously they had some retail shutdowns and stuff there because of COVID, but the big killers in there really are operating costs. So obviously supply chain issues, uh, staffing as well. Obviously, as we know, we know a lot of these guys are struggling to get sort of staffing there. So... Um, so, yeah, just that really the cost line has really uh, jumped up significantly, um, putting a lot of pressure on this business there. So and that's that's obviously why the business is where I mean, the share price has been hammered there. So I see that some of the broker valuations are sitting way, way higher, like um, like more than double where the current oh, share price is. But the, uh, you know, I'm with Chrissy. I think, the you know, the, the current climate here is not sort of conducive for these guys. And just we've seen these businesses before they can I don't know. I, I'm I got three girls and I, I know how they you know they, they can sort of go from brand to brand and try different products and I don't know how sort of sticky these um you know each sort of brand is so um, yeah. yeah I just you know I think those supply, I think that supply chain issue is probably going to be around for a bit longer yet and okay. yeah, if the costing and staff issues are, are here for a bit longer as well then it's yeah. pretty negative so but you know the share price is getting pretty low as well so yeah it's not yeah. not for me I, I wouldn't go near it but it's look it's potentially getting uh you know maybe some value point but you yeah. know I, I wouldn't go near it personally
1: near a five-year low all right um louis wants a view gary on magnus energy technologies um uh his thinking is that they've got a 60 percent stake in im3ny um what's that
2: uh, they've got a massive that's... graphite project in Tanzania. That's ah, the, right. um, yeah. Is that got, the, got some...
1: the graphite? Nachu uh, the Nachu project, Nachu graphite project. That, he reckons that's right Yeah, That's really undervalued and being in fully automated battery cell production before the end of um, before before June. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so they got well. lithium
2: mine, battery investment as well. So look, yeah. I think With with this one here, David, it's really just you've really you're having a view on you're you're playing the sector, so you're you know if you're if you're really looking at that sort of graphite, um, you know sort of battery sector there. I mean, those stocks are on fire at the moment. Obviously, a lot of those stocks have really been um, trending higher, so the definite momentum with these stocks here. I to me, I just view them as a bit of a trading stock here. Obviously, you know we've got a massive market cap here, 463 mil. There's no um, not really making any money here yet. so you're sort of buying into the prospect of making money in the future, um, but yeah, I mean, look, the, the sector is pretty buoyant, um, still trending up here. So um, I'd just be, I'd be sort of, you know, trading the technicals here. I, you know, be managing my risk with these sort of things. It's not the one that I'd, I'd look at. I've, I've looked at a few others here recently, um, but um, what do you think? Oh, just a couple of stocks sort of broke out there recently, sort of Town and a few others that right. um, looked. Yeah, you know, I, I look to if there's a strong trend there and they pull back and they sort of um, they congest and then I start to see them winding back up again then I might look at something like that but yeah to me you're very late I think we're very late stage here it's sort of the trend's yeah. been going on for a while getting pretty high I know it can keep going here but I think you're coming you're coming into this um, sector here late in the piece right. for me Maybe so missed the just, boat. well just got to be careful here just I, I would be reducing my betting size here um, and I would be keeping my stops pretty tight here because um, it can all sort of um, give up at some point here pretty easily.
1: Yep. Uh, Chris, Marcus, today, you all you you guys have really identified this sector early as well, didn't you? So uh, what do you think of Magnus?
0: I'll give Henry credit for that, uh, Koshi. He's all over this sort of stuff and he does very well out of our uh, members. So uh, that credit must go to him. Uh, with this one, it seems to me to be a portfolio of fairly aggressive bets. So they've got their fingers in a few pies. Uh, they've got the battery manufacturing, the battery tech and the uh, and the graphite mine in Tanzania. Now, Tanzania is not an easy place to operate. Um, you're always subject to what the government can do. They passed laws in 2017 giving them sweeping powers to review and reconstruct and renegotiate any and all agreements that they like as they see fit. And there has been Australian companies that have been caught up in that, uh, in that process to their uh, detriment. Uh, and just reiterating what Gary said, I think was a very, very good point. Uh, the question is, you know, are you buying value today or are you buying value tomorrow? So there's no value in the company today. They're not making any money. It's all prospective. in fact, they are losing money. So you're really having a big bet on the value tomorrow and you're having a big bet on their particular portfolio of bets. Um, that's not for me. That's uh, not the way that uh, generally I invest. I'm not, not to say that it's a terrible way to do it, but it's probably just too far at the speculative end for me. Yeah. Uh, and again, I don't really like investing in companies that are at this stage of the cycle. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't find a way to buy in this one.
1: Yeah, because we got, um, I forget who came up. The other week with Henry, I think it may have been Ionia, and even Ionia, He was saying he'd, he'd rather go to the bigger ones like the core lithiums and the yeah. more established ones. So you don't need to go down gammon. to this level. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's yeah, uh, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks. Uh, Tab Corp uh, is stock of the day with um, uh, now a date that they're going to, uh, to basically split the company. If you're in Tabcorp, keep holding on. Uh, both Chris and Gary think it's also a good time to buy into Tabcorp to be part of, um, of, the, of the new float coming up. uh, on Casil, uh Gary has uh, a big history with that, good and bad, and has learned a lot um, out of it. Uh, knows the company well, thinks it's a speculative buy. Uh, a no from Chris Uh near map a yes from Chris um, Gary's got it on his watch list but not quite yet needs a bit more monem- momentum there uh, Parenti is a no from go both Gary and Chris um, but Gary's got it on his watch list BWX uh, a no from both a sell from uh, from Chris in fact uh, and Magnus a no from both and um, here on The Call, we, our High Conviction Fund is up and running, our fantasy fund. Um, catch up on the first committee meeting uh, online, the investment committee. Uh, the next episode of the next committee meeting of the investment committee for The Calls Fantasy Portfolio will be out next Tuesday. So let's have a look at how the portfolio stands at the moment. Uh, BHP, Macquarie, MinRes, Steadfast, Aristocrat, Ordinate, CSL, NextDC and Universal, um, with also a smaller holding in Qantas and Frontier Digital Ventures, uh, 20% in cash. Keep sending in your uh, stocks to be analysed um, on the call every day because that's the first filter of stocks up to the investment committee. Um, If the uh, expert panel here on the call has an existing stock that's in the call's portfolio come up and they don't both don't agree with investing in it, then it goes back to the investment committee to see whether it should be ditched. And any stocks that have two thumbs up from the expert panel then goes up to the investment committee to see whether it should be included. All right, in this half hour, we are taking a look at Select Harvest. Brisbane Broncos hasn't come up before here on the call. A lot of people forget the Brisbane Broncos rugby league um, organisation is listed on the share market. And Nick Scarley, uh, Northern Star we're gonna cover and also Serco. All right, Chris, uh, first up to you. Andrew wants to be on Select Harvest. Um, Andrew says, looks to me to have bounced off long-term resistance and broken a short-term downtrend is Select Harvest an inflation hedge. Of course, it's the big almond uh, growing, processing and uh, distribution company. Uh, what do you think of Select Harvest? Uh, I wouldn't buy Koshi. I'll
0: just uh, address Andrew's question about the technical specifically. It, it did look as though it was about to break out of a long-term downtrend, but it has rolled over since. Uh, the problem that I have with, with this one more broadly is, is, it, is it will be very much dependent on the, uh, on the almond price. Uh, And most almonds in the world come out of California. They produce 80% of the world's almonds. So the price is really set in that market. Now, prices moved up last year uh, up about 6%. That was because the California almond crop was about 10% less than the year prior. And the the smaller amount drove up prices. But that price, that $5.50 per kilogram achieved last year is still well short of the $7.40 10-year average price. Yeah. And that is what is weighing on almond producers all around the world. So there's that issue. There's also the fact that, like a lot of uh, companies, they're facing uh, logistics problems at the moment, you know, at the end of the day, they have a perishable good. If they want to ship it offshore, uh, you know, they need to make sure it gets there in a timely fashion so that it doesn't deteriorate. And then, you know, a lower price has to be accepted or, you know, part of the um, part of the consignment is uh, is useless and not be able, not being able to be sold on market. Uh, And then the final nail in the coffin for this one is that California has just uh, recently, fairly recently, had some drought breaking rains, which should should see crop yields go up in future periods as well. So there'll be more almond supply in the world market. So uh, couple all that with the fact that the share price and the chart looks pretty terrible still. And again, I can't find a way to buying this one.
1: Gary, Chris makes a good point, does uh, does he? If you are going to invest in ag products, You've got to understand the dynamics of the global market. Like with almonds, it's about California. Um, one of the reasons that, that the wheat price is a record high at the moment is because, which I didn't realize it so much, a quarter of the world's wheat is produced in Russia and the Ukraine. So that's an incredible disruption to global wheat prices. Um, and that's why it's gone to a record. So you've got to get in behind these stocks, don't you?
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think California. Chris might know this, but I think it's. Uh, it's like might be like something doing like fifty to seventy percent. It's it's quite significant. California is massive for um, for almonds. It's it's. Um, yeah, it's it's a big number there. It's a big percentage there. But um, yeah, look, Chris makes some good points there. Actually, um, the you know the, the, I think there's been a few logistic issues as well, sort of um, all the log jam sort of um, from California as well. So that's sort of. That has sort of kept the almond price sort of sedated here. Look, Sleek Harvest themselves are actually doing everything right here. They've managed to sort of keep their costs sort of low. They're not sort of impacted like a lot of ag players in Australia here with sort of staffing issues. It's a fairly low maintenance sort of low sort of headcount. So now they've sort of got the technology there where rather than have like lots of hands sort of picking and they have they have these sort of belts on the back of trees and it sort of shakes them. So it's not sort of labour heavy. Um, so they've kept they've kept sort of cost priced they've sort of kept their costs down. But if you look at their revenue line there, it's sort of it's sort of gone up and down here it's from what, 240 and 17 to 206 and 18, 298 and 19, 247 and 20, 228, and 21. So it's sort of, um, sort of sort of gone up and down a little bit, but pretty pretty steady. Its net profit has been sort of steady as well, sort of um, from about nine to sort of 50 mil in that in that period depending on the term so they get a good year good prices there but yeah it's it's interesting here i think um we're we're pricing in a lot of negative at the moment pricing in sort of low prices at the moment so i see select harvest are talking about uh, a turnaround in prices sort of next year but i'm not sure that's the case i'm not sure how reliable you know you can sort of do that but i do know that select harvest have taken on some more capacity so they're they're forecasting uh, like like a jump in earnings of around about forty percent on their twenty-three numbers. So they're expecting to sort of grow substantially there. So their their sort of size of crop will be will be larger. Um, so that's kind of a positive there. But it's um yeah. I mean I I, I actually think sort of down here towards five dollars is probably not a bad price zone for the for the stock here. It's right. sort of you're coming down to the lower end here, but you, you do have a few external factors to sort of take into consideration there and you do really have to watch what's happening in California because that yeah. that is a major part of it as well. All but right, I, so
1: I I know I, at the moment, I, but watch it.
2: I'd I'd be a buyer around the sort of five dollar mark personally. Yeah, mm, I think it's okay. um it has had a massive pullback from nine dollars.
1: Yeah,
2: um it's a reasonable sort of PE here. We sort of know where the company's sort of going to be falling in line with here. We, and that, so just yeah, I, I'm pretty comfortable so, if I was buying at five dollars yeah. here.
1: So what is it five thirty? At the moment, is it from Yeah,
2: side? it's look. It had a bit of a pop up there. From well, I think it went down at five dollars, popped up to about five sixty. Right. It, it is a bit of a high beta stock, so it does move around a bit more. Yeah. So
1: you'd be a buyer at five thirty five.
2: I'd be a buyer, sort of probably closer to five.
1: Okay. All right. So, not quite yet. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, well, from uh, from agriculture to listed sports companies. Um, Gary, you shared your war stories earlier. One of my worst investment ever was to be a shareholder in the Sydney Kings basketball organization. I had great fun, and the family had great fun. Financially, it wasn't great. Um, what do you think of Brisbane Broncos?
2: Uh, look, look it's, yeah, it's a tough one actually. Yeah, I mean, just look, just look at the liquidity issue here, Koshy. If you look actually uh, market depth of the stock, there's this, there's no market to trade in these things. Yeah. Um, that that alone is probably the number one reason why I wouldn't invest in it. Um, so I mean, look at right. Like, I mean, today we've got thirteen hundred shares on the bid at seventy and a half cents, and we've got fourteen hundred on the offer at ninety nine and a half cents. There's uh. twenty nine cents difference between the bid and offer. Trades by appointment. Sixty seven shares traded today. It's right.
1: You
2: know. Yeah. I, I, I not can't, worth it. I mean, I can't trade it. Yeah. It's not. Uh, you've you it's trade this because you love. No. No. One hundred percent.
1: Yeah, if they had good shareholder benefits, you'd probably uh, maybe think about it if you're a Brisbane Broncos fan. Um, Chris, any interest in Brisbane Broncos? Uh,
0: I would say this, uh, gents, it's not often that we can say throw out everything you know about markets, financials, fundamentals and all the rest and follow your heart. But I would say that with this one. So I'm not a rugby uh, Guy, apologies to uh, the people that are. I'll I, I just put it back in my world, though. So I've said on the show before that I'm a, a Collingwood Magpie. So yeah. buying the Broncos, if I'm not a supporter of the club, would be like me buying Koshy's Port Adelaide How? <laughs> it's just not something that I'm prepared to do. Okay. But if you love it, then buy it. Just don't expect a fantastic return. And uh, yeah. yeah, Gary's 100% right. It's, it's very difficult to get into. But I would humbly submit that we all have stocks in our portfolio that we buy because we love them. Mine yep. is um, mine is Ferrari. Uh, I'll probably never own a Ferrari, but I love cars and I'm happy to own the stock. So <laughs> uh, you can excuse yourself every now and again <laughs> for buying a stock for love rather than money.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. That's that's true. You're quite right. Investing's got to be as long as you keep it in proportion, uh, a bit of fun, enjoyment. All right, uh, something uh, that's. Um, a bit more investable. Uh, Jane wants a view, Chris, on Nick Scarley, the uh, the big furniture group, uh, basically family founded and uh, still has that that mentality within the organisation, did great guns during lockdown. Uh, have we missed the boat on Nick Scarley? Yeah, I think we might have, unfortunately, Koshi,
0: which is a shame because it's, a, like you say, a particularly well-run business. Just looking at the financials, it has a pretty decent year as well, north of 6%, and that is expected to grow in future periods. Coming back to that, uh, what we were talking about earlier, it's just not a great environment for discretionary retails at any level. Just the, the macro uh, environment is more headwinds than tailwinds. Uh, They did have solid results in the first half, they will probably struggle to uh, replicate that in the second half even though they have a very fat order book. The problem is, like a lot of these uh, uh, companies, they cannot get supply, they cannot get stock. So they've got plenty of orders in the system, they can't fulfill them Uh, and if of course they're not fulfilling them, they're not getting that revenue and ultimately they're missing the numbers that the market might indeed expect. So. Right now, I can't find a way to buying it, but I would say there will come a time where hopefully those supply chain issues will abate. And you're looking at a stock that was uh, $16 in November, has a history of great management, uh, and is now trading, uh, I haven't seen the price today, but uh, I think it's sub $12 or around $12. Yeah, so there you go. So potentially at some point, you're getting an opportunity to pick up a really great company that has a big fat order book that will deliver on those orders at some time. Uh, at, a, at a
2: cheaper price. So um, uh, on the watch list for,
1: okay. for now. Yeah. All right.
2: Gary? Yeah, pretty similar view there. I mean, it's um, if you look at the numbers there, it's like the PE year 12, the yield 5.2, seems pretty attractive here, fully franked. But again, you're coming off a cracking 21. So we know that um, I think the forecast to be down about 12% uh, for the full year 22. And that's, that's not because the company's going backwards. That's just because, you know, 21 was just out of the box. So we're just not going to match those sort of uh, lockdown levels there. And I think sort of 23 forecasters sort of start growing again at probably more normalised manner there. So, yeah, getting getting close to value here. Uh, just not going to be, yeah, it's hard there. You can sort of next next 12 months is sort of going to be, well, the next sort of six months is probably going to be down a little bit on the previous uh, big numbers because you're obviously trading against great numbers. And then the year after that, you're probably going to be small up. So you're sort of, not seeing great growth there over the next sort of 12-18 months, but longer term probably is. But I tend to think here the, the share price can probably come back a little bit further, but has come back quite a bit already. But I think sort of maybe closer to $10 here is probably going to be, if you can get it sort of down there, maybe that's going to have it around about 11 times uh, 23 mm. earnings. That's probably getting pretty tasty. So, um, yeah. But, mm. yeah, interesting here. So getting great, great company. It's all about the price here. So, yeah. um
1: Yeah, yeah, great. And in a what seemed to be a rebound in the market, it's looking out for these great companies that are getting down to levels that uh, are realistic, and that's where a a lot of the investing is coming through at the moment. We had uh, who did we have the other day? Fisher and Paykel uh, Health and CSL, uh, Mark Morland and uh, uh, Mark Gardner. Um, or saying that great companies being bashed around looking attractive at those levels.
2: Yeah, no, 100% you'll find actually in what they call low growth markets there. So 40s, sort of the seventies. Um, if you think we're going to be in a tough economic environment here, maybe for the next uh, 12, 18 months, those are your most volatile markets. So you actually see more instead of just sort of going up in a bit of a grind, slow moving market. These sort of sideways-orientated markets where you sort of have low growth periods, they're the most volatile. Their stocks go, you know, they might stand still over the 12, 18-month, sort of two-year period, but the in-betweens are going up and down, up and down, real volatility. Yeah. And we're already seeing that already in the markets. very reminiscent to me of sort of 2000, 2002, sort of post that tech boom. Yeah. Um, remember, technology stocks had a massive crash. Here, but you, you look at the, the XJO, the ASX200 had some massive swings up and down, trading this massive sideways move, but the volatility was was massive. So huge. There should be some Mm. great opportunities here across a lot of sectors here next next year or two.
1: Um, Chris, Sol wants a view on Northern Star. Uh, Two questions. Time to be buying gold stocks. And if it is, is Northern Star?
0: Uh, Short answer to the question is no, but I'll uh, I'll reverse it and deal with the company first. So I had the very good fortune to sit to a Northern Star employee at a, at a mining conference event and he was very willing to tell me about the uh, the quality of Northern Star's assets uh, across the dimensions of location, mine life. Mine life is something that they were very, very focused on uh, and size of expected resource and across the gold plays, uh, Northern Star would be my preferred exposure because they do have those great assets mm. and they're operationally efficient. Uh, Now to the bigger question, though, uh, with commodities. So I have a bit of a problem with gold. And that problem is that uh, despite what uh, are fantastic conditions theoretically for gold in terms of high inflation uh, and geopolitical risk and uncertainty, gold hasn't really taken off, particularly when compared to some other commodities. So forgive me while I refer to my cheat notes here, but we've got uh, over the last year lithium up 265%, coal up 170%, Natural gas up 110, uh, oil up 75, aluminium up 60, copper up 20, and gold's up a paltry 13%, despite, mm. uh, as, as I was saying, fantastic macro conditions. So those conditions are about to change as well. We know that central banks are fighting the good fight in terms of inflation. They're trying to bring it down, and, and at some point that they will, uh, and uh, hopefully, hopefully the war in Ukraine. Uh, end sooner rather than later. So those macro conditions are going to get worse for gold rather than better. Right. And there's just so many other commodities across the board that I'd rather be invested in.
1: Okay, so not the right cycle for gold. If it was, Northern Star you'd have a look at is one of your preferred, but sector not to to look at at the moment. Gary, do you agree?
2: Uh, I agree with Chris's view on the, on the company. I mean, if you look at the revenue line, net profit there, I mean, the company's just growing its yep. revenue line you know five or six years in a row it's been been pretty spectacular actually sort of um I think at the moment there's fourteen strong buys um the broken community one hold and one strong sell so there's only one breaking out with a sell on this stock here the most most of the targets are around that sort of thirteen to fourteen dollar mark for for northern mm-hmm. star so um this is you know probably one of the um strongest fundamentally sort of stocks in the sector so um I do like the stock. I actually think that um, I'm a little different from Chris here in that um, I've sort of think, you know, in the last few years there, if you've sort of bought the commodity out of favor and then, and you know, looking for the one that's sort of, um, you know, even sort of lithium was, was in favor for a few years and then went out of favor, then, then came back in the favor. We've seen it with a lot of these commodities. They get they get hot for a while and then they cool right off. And yeah commodities are not like stocks. They don't sort of go through a consolidation period. There are a lot of V-shaped moves, V-shaped up, you know, V-shaped down. So it's uh, it's really quick sort of moving sort of um, instrument. So I've personally seen a bit of a character change in the gold stocks, seeing a lot of stocks that have been trending down for a long time actually break out of sort of uh, downtrends. I've seen an increase in trading volumes over the last uh, six to eight weeks in gold stocks. So seeing some accumulation sort of signs to me, Mm. technically. So it's definitely to me, I'm actually looking at this sector really closely and um, Northern Star and actually Regis with a couple that I quite liked here. Um, I just want to see these stocks consolidate. They've had a nice little pop here off the low, some really good trading volumes. If they can consolidate here and hold up nice and tight and don't buy too too far back on a pullback, then I think it looks pretty interesting to me. It's just. Yeah, so
1: so not at the moment. Not at the moment, me, but yeah. you're pretty close.
2: I reckon this could be this could be the commodity for two thousand and twenty-two to be long. Personally, that's that's my mm. my view. Okay. I just haven't sort of gone. I just think we just need to sort of see a few more ingredients set up. But it's uh, okay. It's, so it's is sold in?
1: Yeah. Is sold in now or not?
2: Is what? Sorry. Is uh, Sol, uh,
1: the the viewer by Northern Star or not?
2: Um, I would
1: yeah. I would have. I would start with a small parcel here. Okay, so a nibble. Nibble, yep. nibble has come into the vernacular of, of the call, <laughs> yeah. calls paddles here. All right, start nibbling away, so All right, Daniel, we'll have to do this fairly quickly, gents, because um, we're running out of time. Gary, Daniel wants to view on Serco, the com- computer software um, business that focuses on the corporate travel industry.
2: Yes, yeah, affiliated with uh, booking.com. Yep. The bookings, yeah a booking um so yeah look it's um, look interesting one there though, in that they did a massive equity raise there um in november last year 75 mil placement uh 10 mil retail offer and what $705 a share so we're we're quite a lot lower than that now so i'm just not sure i'm i do like the travel sector just not sure i like corporate travel here um but um the price has had a massive decline here so look probably undervalued here but I I would probably go for others there's other stocks in the sector
1: I like more okay Um, uh, Chris Serco
0: yeah just pivoting back to that uh, picks and shovels uh, argument we were having earlier if you want travel exposure and I'm not necessarily saying that I do uh, there's other travel companies that I'd prefer to have uh, exposure to I mean I do like the fact these guys provide the infrastructure uh, but travel is difficult at the moment. Uh, it's not to say it will be forever, but there's still a lot of uncertainty, uh, despite the fact that borders have opened up and um, I was looking at a survey the other day, countries around the world are running at sort of 60% rate still of people not wanting to conduct business travel. So yeah. opposed to business travel. Yeah. Uh, so there's still a lot of negativity around out there. I mean, that will change and hopefully it changes sooner rather than later. I'm just not convinced of that. So okay. uh, again, can't find a way to buy in this one, despite the yeah. fact that I like the the infrastructure angle.
1: Okay. Uh, Chris Conway from Marcus today. Always great to catch up. And again, uh, big cheerio to Chris's mum, who's an avid viewer. Uh, Barbara, isn't it? Is it Barb? It is indeed, mate. Thank you for that too. She got a lot of mileage out of that with all of her friends, so thank you. (laughs) Gary, have you got any relatives you want to give a cheerio to?
2: Yep, I'll I'll say hello to my mum, but I'm, I'm sure she's probably not watching, but yeah, who knows?
1: Gary. Mums are the best, eh? Come mums are on. the best. Put put her on to us. All right, Gary Glover <laughs> from Nova's Capital. Have a have a great rest of the week as well. Good to see you both.
2: Thank you.
1: Thanks, Goshi. Thanks, Gary. Go. All right, let's uh recap the final five stocks and hello to all the mums out there. Uh select Harvest, a no from both. Gary, start to be interested around five bucks. Uh Broncos are no unless you're a Broncos supporter and you know you want a bit of fun. Uh, Nick Scarly, a no from both. Again, Gary uh, says it's getting down to an interesting level, around $10. He'd be starting to take a look at it. Uh, Northern Star, a no from Chris. Gary would be starting to have a bit of a nibble. Uh, he thinks gold, could be the commodity of 2022 and 2023. And Northern Star would be, and Regis would be his picks in the sector. And Serco, a no from both. If you'd like us to uh, take a look at any of the stocks you're interested in, um, send them through to us. Email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiz tv handle a reminder all the stocks in the calls high conviction fantasy portfolio are at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio